Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Well, you just heard it in the update a moment ago. It has been confirmed by those who cover the L.A. Clippers. Kawhi Leonard has been ruled out for tomorrow's Game 5. Paul George has been ruled out for tomorrow's Game 5. The breaking news just coming down. No Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George. To quote my good friend John Gambadoro, O-V-A. They go fishing. Tomorrow. <laughs> the Clippers go fishing tomorrow. Over. And I say Will that. Will they be the first team eliminated? No, the Nets no, got eliminated. The Nets got eliminated. And I don't think anybody can get eliminated tonight. No, Milwaukee is down 2-1, so they wouldn't get eliminated. Mitch, can somebody get eliminated tomorrow before the Suns? Do you know off the top of your head? Sorry, I didn't mean to spring that on you. No big deal. Well, and I'm just curious if, if let's see, the Hawks could get eliminated tomorrow. Yes. And I guess technically the Timberwolves could get eliminated tomorrow before the Suns. Before the Suns. The okay, so we have three eliminations tomorrow. Three, possible three eliminations. Possible three eliminations tomorrow. I bet you um, they all happen. I bet you, <laughs> bet you they I bet all you do, they all too. happen. bet you they all do, too. No Kawhi, no Paul George. If you missed it right before we went into the segment, uh, the last segment, campaign has been upgraded to probable as well. Look, I give the Clippers a lot of credit. I give Ty Lue a lot of credit. He had those guys playing really, really hard right up until the bitter end. I, I mean, throughout this whole series, they have not made this easy on the Phoenix Suns, but no Kawhi, no Paul George when you're going up against Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and Chris Paul in the fourth quarter. These Forget it. I mean, you just you just don't you just don't have enough. You just I don't. Know. We, don't. We, we did think it was going to be a lot easier. We did think the Suns were going to cruise. I mean, no, no Paul George. Okay, no Kawhi Leonard. Come on. Like, you know, Russell Westbrook has played out of his mind. He is he has put himself in a position where somebody's gonna look at Russell Westbrook. He's a free agent. And they say, you know what? I'll take Russell Westbrook. Sure. I mean he so his career, like he what he's done with the Clippers, right right situation and right coach. Has to be the right coach. Has to be the right coach. So right coach, right situation, and he buys in, and you're gonna get an, you're gonna get something out of Russell Westbrook. Look, throughout this whole thing, uh, uh, Ty Lue is one of my favorite coaches in the NBA. He's so he's so good. He's so good at taking what he's got and trying to find a way to make it work. And he's tried and they gave him a lot of effort. This has been a tough out for the Phoenix. Not over yet. They still have to wrap this thing up tomorrow night, but but, but now, ideally for the Phoenix Suns, you do wrap this up tomorrow night. You get this done as soon as you possibly can because you almost have to count on Denver wrapping up their series tomorrow at home against Minnesota. You don't want them getting extra rest that you don't. And if you're just tuning into us here on the Burns and Gambo show, here's the deal. Suns finish up their series tomorrow. Denver finishes up their series tomorrow. Game one, Suns Nuggets is on Saturday. If for whatever reason, either team loses tomorrow, now that series doesn't start until May 1st. What you don't want to have happen is that you lose and they win and they get the advantage and you don't. They get the extra two days rest and you don't, right? right? So hopefully the Suns can take care of business tomorrow, get this done, but no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George. And for the Suns, what they have (laughs) is apparently the return of fourth quarter Chris. Booker holding with 10 to shoot. Gives to Paul, top of the arc. He fakes the three, starts to drive and then backs it out. Five seconds on the shot clock. Step back three on the way. And good for CP3. 
Point God took that game it, over in it, the fourth quarter on was. Saturday. I mean, it was incredible. The first play of the fourth quarter, he had a shot blocked by Plumlee. That started. You're like, ah. Oh. And then it was a shot clock violation. Then he hits a mid-range jumper over Covington, puts him up by four. Feeds Book for a three-pointer, makes it 91-83. Feeds Torrey for a lay-in. Then Paul hits a three-pointer over Eric Gordon. Then he feeds DA for a basket. Then he hits another open three. And then the play of the game, the baseline shot. He thought the shot clock violation was coming, and so he shot it and went in. Just an overall great game by him. A great fourth quarter by him. I tweeted out earlier, like he was like one for five to start. I was like, here goes, another game where Chris Paul can't shoot. And that came back to haunt me a little bit because he finished so strong. And that was what they needed because I truly believe, and you know this, I believe that they need Chris Paul to play at a high level to win a championship. To win it all. That means eliminating the Clippers tomorrow, beating the Denver Nuggets in the next round, and then taking down either Sacramento, Golden State, or LA in the next round to Mm -hmm. get to the finals. I think they need Chris Paul at his best. I think he needs to play really good basketball for them to win. And so seeing that was a good sign to me because I don't think KD and Book can do it by themselves. In watching Saturday's game, I came to the conclusion, begrudgingly, that you're right about Chris Paul, that he is the more important part to the equation than DeAndre Ayton is. The problem with Chris is, and we've already seen it in this series in the four games they've played, it's a question of surviving the off-Chris games, right? And there's going and, to be and, off-Chris and, and you just have to count on that going in. You have to know there are going to be off-Chris games. You just There have already been two so far this series. It's only four games old. There, there are going to be games where Chris isn't himself. We saw it in game three. We saw it in game one. He's been great, Chris, in games two and games four. So what you need to do is, I, I agree with you now. I've, I've come to the conclusion that you're right. DeAndre Ayton is not the important number three in this equation, it's Chris Paul. And DeAndre is now the important number four in this equation. The problem is, is you just, you know, you know going in, Chris cannot duplicate this every game. He is not going to duplicate this every game. He's just, at that age, it's, it's, I think it's just asking too much for him to be like that every single game. So you have to survive the games in which he's off a little bit. They did it in game three. Right? He didn't have a great game. No. Five of eight shooting. Yep. One, One out of eight, eight from three-point range. It's going to happen again, and you're going to have to survive it when it happens. You got four rebounds. You got three steals. You got three blocks. You also didn't have a damn turnover. Not one turnover by Chris Paul. Oh, he was Ball. fantastic. He was great. Now, listen, can you... You know how it's like, you know, a baseball player, you know, grounds out, strikes out, flies out, and then hits a three-run homer in his last at bat. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I had a good game. He had three RBIs and a home. It's good. had a good game. Well, he was 0 for 3 until he... With Chris Paul, it may very well be like he was always known for his ability to close games. His ability to be great in the fourth quarter because he conserved that his whole career. I remember when he got here, I had players tell me that that's the best thing about Chris. He conserves energy. He's great in the fourth quarter. If he could just muster that up more often than not, I'll be there in the fourth quarter. That might be enough to overcome like some sluggish starts. He's just got to figure out when the game... Games are on the line. He's got to make the shots. I don't think he shot plays. well early. I still think he was making plays in that game early. You know, like I think about a pass to Booker. I think about a couple of play they, that quick touch pass that he had. I, I, I think like Chris. Okay, the shooting. Yeah, I still think he was making plays. He had the quick hands on defense. He was kind of running the show. I thought fairly well. I hear what you're saying about the shooting, but it's all not all just about the shooting with Chris Paul. There are other elements that he brings to the table as well. But from a scoring standpoint, it will make things a whole lot easier on everybody if he has scoring games like he 
had on Saturday. Yeah, it it it, mm-hmm. it eases the burden a little bit on Devin Booker to feel like he has to carry the team in the fourth quarter, or Kevin Durant to feel like he has to hit every shot. And if he could find some level of consistency to his game, it would help the Suns immeasurably. You know, with what they want to do. Um, Monty talked about the game uh, after Saturday and said it was especially impactful when you consider how off he was on Game 3. The mental fortitude that it takes to come back from the game you had the other day, all three of those guys are trying to figure out, like, you go, I go, that kind of thing. And I thought all three were in go mode tonight or, or today. But to see Chris, you know, <laughs> knocking down shots like that, and then the one where he threw up, he thought, <laughs> I don't know if he knew it hit the rim. Right. But I'm just grateful for his mental stamina and those types of, uh, or these types of environments where he's missing shots one game and he comes back the next game and, you know, he just does what Chris does. So if the big three is Booker, Durant, and Paul, I thought that was their best game uh, together since they've been here. And I went back and I looked at every single game. Oklahoma City, Denver, T-Wolves, Spurs, Charlotte, Chicago, Denver, Dallas. The only game, the only game in which the three of them combined for more points than the 80 that they had was one game against the Clippers in which they had 84, but Book had 45. And then one game against Dallas where Book had 36, KD had 37, but Paul only at 11. So when you look at it as a whole and you take every single game the big three has played together, that was the best overall game because all three guys were contributing. Hit a bitch. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! Time for our hottest ticket qualifier, Jimmy Trevino from Scottsdale. We're looking at you, Jimmy. You have 10 minutes to call 602-260-9870 to qualify for Suns playoff tickets for tomorrow night's game against the Clippers. If we don't hear from Jimmy, then we'll open the phone lines to somebody else. But for now, Jimmy Trevino, you are on the clock. You have 10 minutes to call 602-260-9870. If you didn't hear your name, you can still qualify. Text the word TICKET to 62620. And we'll make sure you're in a position to listen for your name tomorrow in the 7 a.m. hour, 12 noon hour, 5 o'clock hour. Once again, Jimmy Trevino from Scottsdale. 10 minutes, 602-260-9870. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the draft is a few days away. Are the Arizona Cardinals open for business at number three? And if they are, what exactly does that look like? That's next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We'll talk about the draft in 30 seconds. Once again, want to repeat, if you're just getting in your car, you're just tuning us in. The Clippers have just ruled out Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for Game 5. Suns have upgraded campaign to probable for tomorrow's Game 5. 7 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports at Footprint Center. The Suns can advance to the Western Conference Semis with a win. They lead that series three games to one. Speaking of the, the number boys are back three, in town for tomorrow. They are the indeed. The boys are back in town. I was wondering if you were going to make mm-hmm. the Thin Lizzy reference. You yeah, did. The Suns are back. You went for it. Um, speaking of the number three, the Cardinals right now currently sitting at number three in the NFL draft, which is on Thursday. Peter Schrager this morning on Good Morning Football talking about the five things that he heard this weekend. Thing number four 
was that Arizona's open for business. Arizona is open for business at three. I've heard from multiple teams that you can have the Arizona pick if you're willing to make an offer, which makes it really intriguing with all of these quarterbacks up top. You have a first-year head coach in Jonathan Gannon. You have a first-year general manager in Monty Asenfort. And you have an owner, Michael Bidwell, who looks to be maybe rebuilding this thing on the fly. Do you see the phrase that uh, McShay used this morning on ESPN.com? The Cardinals are, and I quote, borderline desperate to move out of this spot, close quote. Borderline desperate to move out of three. Listen, I think it is twofold. I think the number one thing is you want to try to acquire as many assets as you can because this is a long rebuild, and if they could turn one pick into four or five, uh, I think that they want to do that. Number two, and I'll continue to say this, I, I do doubt their willingness to spend the money it would take on the number three pick in the draft. The guaranteed money, the signing bonus money, that's a lot of money. If you could move down to where Tennessee is, it's a lot less. It's a lot less. I still don't think that's the driving reason for the move. I agree. I, I, agree. I, I don't. I, I, I understand that is part of this or could be part of this. I don't think that's driving this. I, I don't think that's... I think what's driving this is the reality that the Cardinals... What was the phrase that Daniel Jeremiah used a couple days ago? It's the worst roster in the NFL? Because, and I, and I, I don't like saying this, but I think that's the worst roster in the NFL in terms of how it's constructed and the talent that they have on yeah. it. I, I, th- I think yeah, I think it'd be hard-pressed to win a couple of games next so, year. So I think when you have that if you're Monty and and look I assuming this is how it went down I'll give Monty Austin for credit for selling this vision of the Cardinals to to Michael Bidwell right because clearly Monty is taking the big picture view the long-term long rebuild view of the Cardinals that's a tough sell when you're trying to get your first ever GM's job that's a tough sell if you're Jonathan Gannon and you're trying to get your first ever head coaching job. You don't like to 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 look your new boss in the eye during the job interview and say, quite frankly, I don't think we're going to be very good next year and we have to treat this as such. We have to treat this like a long rebuild, right? Rather than come in and say, oh, no, we're going to be great. We're going to do everything we can to be great right away because that's how the roster is built. Man, that's that's selling the owner a bill of goods. I think you got to give Monty a little bit of credit for approaching this job honestly in terms of where the roster is right now. And that seems to be what they're doing this offseason. No, I think that they've got to do it. I, I'm on board with that. I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I think you also don't want to miss on great players. Because as we all know, we all remember, if you're a longtime Cardinal fan, when they moved out of, tra- of drafting Terrell Suggs to get Brian Johnson and Calvin Pace and how much that, that hurt the franchise for 15 years. It really did. It set the franchise back. It was hard. Uh, because you had a great pass rush or a great player and you passed on him because you wanted other assets. Now, this team needs a lot of assets. They're not one player away. I get it. But they need to start getting great players. I, and, I know. Yeah. I mean, if you could start that now instead of next year, I'm all for it. So if they are indeed open for business, as Schrager says, or borderline desperate to move the pick, as Todd McShay says, then you start trying to figure out, okay, where? And who? And that's where the latest round of mocks. and and But look, by now at this point, the mocks have told every story that there is to tell, right? All you're getting are, are like a reinforcement of some of the stories out there. You want a mock draft that says the Cardinals move down to four? I've got one. You want a mock draft that says the Cardinals move down to seven? You found one today. You want a mock draft that says the Cardinals move down to 11 with the Titans? They're there. I found one of those A lot today, of people right? believe they're going to trade down. I mean, those, those two, seven and 11, and in particular now 11, 
that seems to be the hot spot, right? That seems to be the, I've seen a lot of mocks that have suggested 11 in the last couple of days. Uh, you brought one, you know, the uh, seven with the, with with the, the Vegas with Raiders. Vegas. And then it even suggested within that, that not only could the Cardinals move down to seven, but maybe they could then do another move trade again. with the Eagles to like 10. Move down again. Because the guy that the mock draft had them taking was Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon, and that he might be there at 10. Like, you could swing another deal if Jalen Carter is still on the board at seven. You know, the Cardinals, when you move down to seven with the Raiders, maybe you convince the Eagles to move up to get Jalen Carter, and you move down to 10, and you still get your guy, and you get even more draft picks, potentially. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's something to look at, too. I think the most unlikely scenario now is that they stay at three. I think that, like, that's probably less likely. The most likely. unlikely scenario? Yeah, I mean, because, listen, they're not moving up. So they're either making the pick at three or they're trading down. They're not moving up. So I think it's I think for a long time it was even like where they were gonna go. But with all the smoke that's out there right now, Schrager and everybody else, it does seem likely that that is their main priority and that there will be somebody that's gonna move up and and, and take a quarterback at number three. I'm gonna agree with you in a second. First, let's hit this thing here. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy didn't Jimmy, call Jimmy. in? Jimmy didn't call in. Oh, Jimmy, don't be a hero. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. Jimmy didn't call in, which means caller number 10. You're qualified for Suns playoff tickets for tomorrow night's game. Now, I didn't say you win them. I'm just saying you're qualified for them. Caller number 10, 602-260-9870. And once again, if you didn't hear your name, you can still qualify by texting tickets to 620-620 and listen for your name to Tomorrow, 7 a.m., in the 7 a.m. hour, in the 12 p.m. hour, or in the 5 p.m. hour. In the meantime, caller number 10 at 602-260-9870. To your point, if we get to Thursday and the Arizona Cardinals actually make the third pick overall in the draft, I'd be floored, stunned. I'd be shocked. I'd be willing to bet a very nice lunch Maybe not quite a car payment. Okay. Because I've seen your car. I'd be willing to bet a very nice lunch that the that the Cardinals will not be picking at number three. I think they're moving. I was just trying to figure out where. And trying to figure out who gives you the best haul, right? Yes. Where, where's, where's, the, where's the best haul? What, what gives me the best bang for my buck? Where If I fall away, how many first-round picks am I getting if I go down a Tennessee spot? How many extra second or third round picks am I getting if I go down one spot with the Colts? And I think the biggest thing, and I swear I'm going to continue to say this, even though it looks like his stock is falling a little bit, if C.J. Stroud doesn't go number two, and right now all the mocks either have the Texans going defense at number two or Will Levis at number two. Wow. He's now the new odds-on favorite Shocker. to be the second pick in the draft. Shocker. Right? If that happens and C.J. Stroud is sitting at number three, that's where I think the Cardinals are going to get so many calls they're not going to know what to do with it. I I, I just think C.J. Stroud at three, somebody's yeah. going to want to get up and get here. I mean, I watched that game Levis played on Saturday. He was amazing. I mean, he couldn't have played any better. That really helped his draft status. On Saturday? Saturday. Didn't he not play Saturday? No, I didn't. Oh, then how did he, how did he move up so much? <laughs> now he's number two? I mean, the guy was number four all along. Now he's two. What happened in the last... I figured he must have played a game on Saturday. Can I tell you my theory behind that? Oh, go ahead. You're, you're going to make a point. I'm going to tell I'm you my make theory a point just Levis real thing. quick. The third pick in the draft this year. Just this is just to just to keep this in the back of your mind. I know you don't believe this is the main reason. I think it is part of it. The total value of that draft pick is about thirty eight million dollars. There's almost twenty five million dollars in a signing bonus that goes to the third pick. 
25 million in signing bonus. Go down to Tennessee at 11. $12,300,000 in signing bonus. You save, it's about half. It's about half. And the, the total value is $20 million instead of $38 million. It's about $18 million less in value. And the signing bonus, you save about $12 or $13 million. And besides that, your, your 2023 cap number is about $3 million less on your cap just for this next year. That's the only point I wanted to make about going down. I believe you. I, I just don't think that's the main reason. I never will. And I'm not saying it's the main reason either. I'm just saying I think it is a reason. All right. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Suns starters, heavy minutes. The Suns bench, not scoring, but does that mean they haven't been good? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Let's talk about what's on tonight first, then we'll talk about the D-backs baseball. Diamondbacks baseball, the first of a series uh-huh. against the Kansas City Royals. The George Brett's not walking up. through that door. Bo Jackson's not walking through that door. Frank White is not walking through that door. You know who else is not walking through that door? Uh, caller number 10 is not walking through that door. We have a winner, by the way. You can stop calling. We're good. But we appreciate it. That is Leonard. Sherry Welty is, is walking through that door. She is qualified for tickets to go see tomorrow's game. Okay. Between the Suns and the Clippers. She is walking through that. She hasn't won them, but she's qualified for them. So please, no more calls at 260-9870 because we got our winner. Uh, you've got, yes, Diamondbacks and the Royals tonight. We'll preview that game coming up in Diamondbacks on deck in the next segment of the show. That's on tonight. Brought to you by Global Credit Union. 12 branches here to serve you. Become a member today at GlobalCU.org. Also on tonight, NBA basketball. The Bucks welcoming Giannis and Tentacumpo back. He's up got seven. 17 points, seven rebounds. They are indeed up 51-44 with about a buck 52 in the second quarter of that game. And then later tonight, LeBron and the Lakers hosting Jaw and the Grizzlies. That game starts at 7 o'clock. I didn't realize that was the first sellout playoff crowd for the Lakers since pre-bubble. Because the last year they didn't make the playoffs. The year before against the Suns, it was still no, limited no crowds fans, no because fans. of COVID. Yeah. And then the year before that was the bubble. So that was the first wow. full throttle, full crowd Lakers playoff game that we'd seen in God, years. I didn't even think about that. I yeah, thought about no playoffs it last year. The year before was the Suns. They got out in the first round. Yep. And no it, fans were in the building, or, right? Or, or if there were, it, it was, was limited. limited. It was like 4,000, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I they, think it was limited, if I remember correctly. I think so, too. I think so, too. And then the bubble, no fans in the bubble. Yeah. When they want it, they want it in the bubble. Yeah, no doubt about it. So that's what's on tonight. The two NBA games, Diamondbacks baseball. And as I mentioned, it is brought to you by Global Credit Union. 12 branches here to serve you. Become a member today at globalcu.org. Once again, refreshing what we know about the Suns and the Clippers tomorrow. And that is simply this. If the Suns and the Denver Nuggets both win tomorrow night, game one between the Suns and Denver would start on Saturday. That game would be in Denver. The NBA made this announcement earlier today. If either team should lose tomorrow, and it should go to a game six or even a game seven, then the Suns and the Nuggets wouldn't begin until Monday of next week. So the NBA will alter its schedule from time to time, right, to accommodate series wrapping up kind of early. Early, mm-hmm. I would imagine that you know Lakers Grizzlies. I mean, they're just playing Game Four tonight. Kings Warriors. They're tied two two. I expect that's going to go the distance. The Suns very likely could be starting their series against the Denver Nuggets before the 
other ones have even wrapped up, potentially, depending on how deep they go. Yeah, it's possible. They don't want teams sitting for too long. You know, I had the one-week break in between because the playing games were going on. But, you know, the Nuggets weren't able to sweep. They're the number one seed. First time ever, I think, they're they're the number one seed. And uh, if they win that game tomorrow and the Suns win, and I imagine, you know, like, like we know, we know they'll, they'll play on Saturday, which is still three days off, but they'll get that series started. All right, Gambo did the number crunching over the weekend when it Woo. comes to the Suns bench. And doesn't paint the prettiest of pictures when it comes to their bench compared to everybody else in the in the Western Conference so far. How come you didn't do the East? Because it took too long. <laughs> it's a lot of like, a lot of time. I got to like look at every Where? single box score. I got a lot of other things I got to get ready for. You're like another one. I like a guy. Well, how come you didn't do the East? Like I didn't. I did all the West. <laughs> I compared the Suns to every team in the yeah. West with their benches. Man, those buttons of yours are so ah, easy to push. Like, no, listen, it was like that was like it. other people said. How come you didn't do the East? Well, I like I'm doing this by myself. Like I had to go through every box score right there. king of, I got this here and I get that there. You got to learn how to watch two things at one time. Yeah, I'm admitting I can't do all of it by myself. I'm admitting that I just couldn't do it all. All right. I went through because I'm taking each team. I'm going through every box score. I'm trying to add it up. All right. You know, then the next game and the next game and the next game. So I you big whiner. What did you find? All right. So here's the scoring bench scoring in the Western Conference through today. Okay. Bench Bench scoring scoring in the Western Conference through today. Because listen, we know the Suns bench isn't scoring. We know they're not contributing, but I wanted to compare them to everybody else. Okay. So I'm going to go in reverse order. The Suns have the worst bench scoring in the NBA. 50 points in four games. 50 total points in four games. Memphis is next, but they got 60 in three games. They haven't played four games yet. Minnesota is next with 77 in four games. Denver next with 86, four games. Then the Lakers at 91, three games. So the Lakers have 91 bench points in three games. Remember, the Suns are last with 50. You're, you're not, here's your top three. In reverse order, number three, Golden State has 116 bench points. The Clippers have 129. Sacramento's got 150. Sacramento, in the same amount of games, has 100 more points from their bench than the Suns do. Yeah. 100 more. Golden State has 66 more points from their bench in the same amount of games. Conclusion? The Suns, like, I, I, I don't think this prevents you from winning a championship because I'm a big stars will win it for you. I am surprised at how little they've gotten out of their bench because they've gotten basically nothing. I think it's a factor that Monty just doesn't really trust the bench guys, and they've they're so star studded that it's hard to take those guys off the court. I think that's that's the part I want to focus on the most. Uh, it, whether he trusts them or not, I, I don't know, but clearly. That's not how this team is wired. And we knew at the minute they made the Kevin Durant trade, right? This was how yeah. they were going to win basketball games. They were going to win basketball games because their four players were better than your four players, and that's that. And they're going to dare you to see if your top four players can be better than theirs. Now, at some point, would I like to see the bench score more? Yes. At some point, would I like to see the bench play more minutes so maybe you don't have to play as many minutes for the starters? Of course. But do they need them? Can they, can they beat the Nuggets well, without a good bench score? Look, I... We're focusing just here on the scoring. I- I'm going to go back to something we talked about, I think, after game two. What you really need if you're the Suns is you just need the bench not to lose it for you. Because the bench damn near lost them game one of this series, right? They were really poor Don't across the board. Yep. Every And I went and looked through the box scores during one of the commercial breaks. And yeah, I, no one's disputing the scoring thing. They're not scoring. But if you look at the plus-minus numbers for the main guys off of the bench, they're all relatively even. 
They're coming into these games, and they're not big negative numbers when they're in the game. They're keeping the game relatively even, relatively Steven. For example, yesterday's game four, Josh Kogi played like 25 minutes on the floor. He was a plus three. Damian Lee was out there for 12 minutes, 13 minutes. He was a plus four. Bismack Biombo was a minus five. Not bad. Not. I mean, are they scoring? No, they're not scoring a lot. But when they're out there, are they maintaining? Are they not embarrassing themselves? Are they not putting... Well, they the, are playing with two stars at every time. There's always playing with at always, least two stars. Always. And again, so I think that's all, part of the plan. Harder to screw that up. When, it is kind of harder to screw that up. But I, I just think it's much more a function of how the roster is wired and how they're built to win basketball games. They're just not going to ask that much out of their bench. They're just not. Uh, Josh Akogi, I thought, has given them some really good minutes. He does. And his games. numbers, he's seen his numbers go up. So in game one, Akogi played seven minutes. Then he went to 15. Then he went to 21. Now he's at 25. He's trending up. You know who's trending down? Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit. Oh, he's vanished. Landry Shamit has absolutely vanished. So Landry Shamit's minutes have gone 24 in game one to 14 in game two to four minutes in game three and five minutes in game four. So he played more minutes. He played more minutes in game one than he played in game two, three, and four combined. Landry Shannon. I believe it. I believe it. He was he was such a negative for them in game one that Monty, what he played him in the first half in game two, and he pulled a plug on that. And he has, he, he basically mind. hasn't played since. Basically hasn't played since halftime of game two. I, I mean, he's barely Terrence been Ross out can't there. off the bench. No. He's played four minutes his entire postseason for them. Four games, four minutes. And I, and I suspect that's because he's such a liability defensively. And I suspect what Monty's trying to get out of his bench Defense. is maintain. Play defense. Right. Play defense. That's don't, why Josh is playing a lot. Don't 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 go out there and, and get us in a negative deficit that our starters have to work hard to get us out of. Right? Yes. I would agree with you. Scoring wise, it's been a struggle, but Josh Kogi in particular has played a little bit better. When we come back, the Cardinals. So say the Cardinals don't trade the pick, but don't take the best available defender. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? That's next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here on this Monday on the Burns and Gambo Show. The NFL draft is coming up on Thursday, 72 hours from right now. We'll know. We should know anyway. I think the draft starts at 5 o'clock. By now, we'll know if the Cardinals stay put at number three and take a player or if they trade out. At this point, I think Gambo would agree with me. I'd be willing to bet a very, very nice lunch the Cardinals are not picking at number three and that they will trade out. There's yeah. just way too much stuff out there about them moving to think that they're going to be there at number three. Seems to, you know, the big question is that they moved down one spot with Indy. Did they move down a few spots with Vegas? Did they go all the way down to where Tennessee is? I mean, we, we do expect that that's a priority for them is to move. The question really is, where will they move to? Yeah, and the other new development when it comes to the NFL draft over the weekend, it really has become a trend today with some of the stuff that you and I both read, is this talk of an offensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals. I got Albert Breer on the Monday morning quarterback. He writes, if there's a curveball coming, I've heard the Cardinals love Devon Witherspoon at corner and Paris Johnson Jr. at offensive tackle. Two names 
That are kind of relatively new to us. Relatively. Both would be considerations, he writes, maybe even at number three or maybe after a trade down. Peter King, in his mock draft today, suggested the Cardinals would move down to 11, but wrote, word of caution, if I kept the Cardinals at three, I would have given them Paris Johnson, the Ohio State tackle. Which the Cardinals would have loved because he wouldn't have even had to like switch his uniform. He just could have brought his college uniform with him, just put it on. It's the same exact uniform. What? Mitch, Siri, it's the same thing. Just it's the, the Cardinals are wearing the Ohio State uniforms this year. Very similar. Paris Johnson's an Ohio State guy. Just bring your Ohio State college uniform. You're and, good. And then Todd McShay's latest draft buzz today okay, also mentioned offensive linemen. Quote, I keep hearing the team wants to improve the offensive line. We've mocked Anderson or Wilson to the Cardinals for a while, but if they are truly looking for big-time offensive line reinforcements, could they slide back and take Northwestern's Peter Skaronsky? You know what's crazy about that? I keep hearing they want to improve their offensive line. I keep hearing they want to improve everything. Cornerbacks, defensive line, edge rushers, offensive line, wide receivers. Yeah. Like, What don't they want to improve? He went on to say, this is McShay again, says if the Cardinals can't find a dance partner and trade back, quote, I wouldn't rule out addressing the offensive line, which appears to be the front office's biggest concern. And then there's this. I'm just going to throw this in there for kicks and giggles. According to Mike Garofolo of NFL.com, for what it's worth, the word is Kyler Murray likes Paris Johnson a lot and has let that be known inside the Cardinals building. Johnson visited there recently. I'm not against an offensive lineman, but I certainly would not want them to take one at three. If you if you move down outside of the top ten and Christian Gonzalez is gone and, and Tyree Wilson's gone and like all the players that we've talked about, the dominant defensive players are gone, and you take an offensive lineman, okay, remember this. It's unlikely that offensive lineman's gonna come in and make an impact for you right away. I mean, yeah. most offensive linemen, these kids need time to develop and understand and learn. I mean, it takes it takes for even first round picks, it takes a little little bit of time for most of them to kind of figure out how to play in this league. And I do think the Cardinals are in a u- unique position not needing their first round pick to come in and contribute right away because they're not going to be very good this year, obviously. Uh, look, I here's what I don't like. Staying at number three and taking one of those offensive linemen because you know you can, you, you can get one at seven. You can get one at nine. You can get yeah. one at ten. You can get one, like, just about anywhere you trade down to, chances are you'll be able to get one of those guys. Taking one at three is such Bad value. I, look, I'm all for taking an offensive lineman, to your point. This organization has long neglected drafting good offensive linemen. They've really avoided it in terms of high draft picks. It's about time they heavily invested on the offensive line when it comes to the draft. But at three... A guy that you could just as easily get at seven or eleven, I don't like. That. No, I, that's but, not good. But they're value. not going to. I mean, Peter I King's just saying I would have taken, and that's just his evaluation. There's no way the Cardinals are taking an offensive lineman at three. Probably have a lot more on this story tomorrow. In the meantime, we got some Diamondbacks baseball coming up tonight. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck. Brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. After losing 3 of 4 to the Padres over the weekend, the Arizona Diamondbacks welcome the Kansas City Royals for the first of three tonight from Chase Field. And... 
doggy are they bad? Five and seventeen so far on the year start the year in Kansas. No, they just uh, like I said, man. Frank White and Freddie Patek and Gray and uh, George Brett. Those guys aren't walking through this door. Uh, Daryl Porter, like this is a bad baseball team offensively and, and pitching. It's just a bad team, and it's going to be a rough year for Kansas City. Uh, your pitching matchup for tonight's game it is Tommy Henry's twenty twenty three debut. The lefty gets the start today. More on him in just a moment. He gets the start for the Diamondbacks. Brad Keller, the righty, two and two with an ERA of three. Yeah, gets the start for Kansas. Keller's City. actually been good for them. He's held opponents to three hits in each of his last three starts. That's the longest such streak by a Royal starting pitcher, not including openers since Brady Singer back in 2021. So he's pitched well um, for a, for the last three starts. Doesn't give up a lot of hits, uh, but he suffered his second loss last Tuesday. Three runs on three hits uh, and a career-high tying five walks, which is familiar to D-backs pitchers. A lot of walks in the four innings, but he doesn't give up a lot of hits. That was the problem this weekend in losing three or four to the Padres. Now, Zach Gallen was brilliant on Friday night. Uh, and He's got that scoreless inning streak up to, what, 22 and two-thirds, 23 and two-thirds. He's been fantastic. We'll have to get another bobblehead. Merrill Kelly and Dre Jameson were brutal with the walks uh, on Saturday and Sunday. It they, was tough. They were. I mean, Merrill's, you know, Merrill walked four in the first two games, and he kind of got back, and then that game, like, he was pitching great. He left with the bases loaded, and, um, and, and it, and it, I think two or three of the runs scored, and he ended up, uh, you know, being on the losing end of it. But he left the game with the lead, but he left with the bases loaded, nobody out. Yeah. And walks were a killer there. And then Jameson just, he had no control of his fastball. He threw like 40 to 45 pitches in that first inning, and they yanked him. Um, so it's just, they, they weren't getting good quality outings the last two times out. Uh, the Diamondbacks lead the National League and walks allowed by a pitching staff. I wanted to correct myself with Zach Gallon. It's 21 and two thirds scoreless innings that he's got so far this year. Now, today, Today, Dre Jameson was optioned to AAA. Here's Tori Lovello on the reasoning why. It was uh, something that we we talked about last night, um, post game, and it was this, the lack of fastball consistency. Um, his inability to command his secondary stuff. We felt like he was becoming one-dimensional out over the plate, and we just needed to get back into that, that form that we have seen. We saw last year. We've seen in spurts this year. And, you know, go go prepare to get get dominant again. The expectation is that he'll be back soon. Here's Tori. These are hard pills for young players to swallow. All they want to do is get here and learn and continue to pitch here. I get that. But we are, we're a very competitive team. Um, we've got a lot of competitive um, understudies, and we we felt like the best thing for Dre at this point in time would be to go down, get his timing, get his rhythm, and get and find his stuff. Um, you know, I said it last night. Good hit, good major league hitters when they know you're throwing a fastball will get wood on a bullet. And you know, I I, I stand by his ability to make pitches, and when he does, he's going to find his way back here. The Twitter account uh, Diamondback Stats and Info um, at Dback Stats Info points out that. Arizona technically will not need a fifth starter until around May 9th. There's quite off a few off days yeah, coming up. Yeah. And that's why, you know, they, you know, look, they like him. 
they believe in him, but like, you know, sometimes a little message sent, go down, get a start, work on your mechanics there because, you know, we can't afford to have you mess up a game like that. That really wears out a bullpen when your starter can't get shot of the, you know, can't, can't go more than an inning. Yep, no doubt. Time for your injury report, and it's brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Most of the same names on the injured list for the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. On the pitching side of things, Cole Sulcer, Mark Melanson, Corbin Martin, Zach Davies. On the position player side of the ledger, Kyle Lewis and Carson Kelly remain on the injured list for the Diamondbacks right now. Time for your MLB standings, and they are presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. The Arizona Diamondbacks tied for first right now in the NL West with the L.A. Dodgers. They both have a 12-11 and 11 record. The Padres, who just took 3-4 or four from the Diamondbacks, a 12-12 and 12 record, a half game behind. Colorado Rockies bringing up the rear in the West at 7-17. Seven and 17. Yeah, Fernando Tatis back with the Padres, homered against the Diamondbacks in that game on Saturday. Yes, he did. And the Padres, but Matt Carpenter was very, very good. For Boy, he was he struggling re- going into that series, too. He was. He had a really good series for San Diego over the course of the weekend and looked very, very good. All right, let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs, keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Hi, Brad Keller, the pitcher for the Royals. You're going to love this. He's induced five double plays so far this season. He has an American leading 81 double plays since the start of 2018. Nobody in the American League has gotten more double plays than he has. He has a career 52.6% ground ball rate, which is fourth in the majors since he got made his debut in 2018. So the key for the D-backs is be wary because this guy, he, he induces a lot of ground balls. He gets a lot of double plays. I'm going to love that? Why am I going to love that? Uh, I don't love that. I just thought you love, might love to... It's going to do it for us. Not, I thought it was a good one. We're out of here on the Burns and Gambo pretty, Show. Pretty good. We'll see you, see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock. Have a great night, everyone. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.